this is a house. I've been enjoying this sermon. I've been speaking them, but I've been enjoying them. I believe this sermon series is foundational and fundamental for much of what God is going to be doing and is doing in our lives and in our hearts and in this body. And we spent a number of weeks, we are in sermon number eight today. We've talked about culture, we've talked about this is the house of God. And then we also have talked about how you are a house and the house of God. So when we preach these sermons, we are preaching them, yes, as a collection and for this community of believers and this faith a community, Solid Rock. But we also have the application as when we preach it, there is also personal application for each and every one of us. Because when God sent his son and Jesus left and he says, I'm going to send you the Comforter, and the Holy Spirit, another one, and that word another means one of the same. What he did was he said he went from one to everyone with the, with the release of the Holy Spirit. So it affects each and every one of us. We spent the last two weeks talking about this is a house of family. This church has a strong family influence. We make no apologies for that. This church has a strong family influence. And that family influence also has grown over the years to many, many more. And you and I, each one of us, if we were to look to the left or to the right or in front of us or behind us, you would see a brother or a sister that is part of the same family as you. We talked a little bit about house rules last week. One of the house rules that we shared on, and I asked two of them. One is, this is a house, and we're not perfect, but we try. And the reason why we're not perfect is because of you. The reason why we're not perfect is because of me. But that doesn't mean we don't strive to become better and better. What that means is we're going to try and we're going to work and we're going to put those things aside and we're not going to use them as excuses. Rather, we're going to use them as motivation to get better. And the second one I wanted to share with you was if you want to go fast, you go alone. But if you want to go far, you go together. And what I have found is usually when you go far and together, you actually go faster than the person who wanted to go fast and go alone. It's a dynamic that happens. It's not the turtle and the hare, but it's almost the turtle and the hare. But if you want to go far, you go together. And when you go together, what happens is you pick each other up. You pull the person that's maybe struggling a bit. You lift them up. The person that's maybe having a great day, you rejoice with them. The person that's maybe having a struggle, you bend down, you help them, and you be with them. Why? Because we all have been there, and we all will be there. Each one of us needs each other. I desperately need you. I need you. I need your prayers, I need your love, I need your support, and you desperately need me. My humor alone. You need it. 
it refines you. It helps you. But we need each other. And this week and next week, I want to take two weeks and I want to talk about this is a house of prayer. And I'll be honest with you, this is not a strength that I can say that I have. There are some strengths that I believe we have. But as a body, I'm not sure that I could argue and say, oh, we're strong, because there are things that we can do better when I think of prayer. But at the same time, we use this guide and this book as a model, and we say, Lord, we want to be more like you. So some of the things we may talk about, we may not be strong at, but it doesn't mean we ignore them. It means, Lord, I want to get better at it. I need to get better at prayer. Because when I read the Bible, I find so many things happen around prayer. A whole night, a whole night, a guy was in a lion's den. And the lions didn't eat him. And he was praying. The next morning, he got pulled out of that lion's den, and they put the guys in there that had thrown him in, and they were taken out just like that. You can't tell me the lions weren't hungry. You've got to believe that prayer affects and changes things. So I want to take a few things this morning. I've got a few things. I've got a lot of things that I want to share this morning about prayer. And next week, we're actually going to have some time of prayer. We're going to have about 10 minutes, 15 minutes of speaking. And uh, that would be a miracle, so you might want to pray for me in that regard. But then afterwards, we're going to have some time of prayer because this is a house of prayer. And we're not going to preach it and then say, oh, but we're not doing it on a Sunday. Now, we do have, we, we instituted, before COVID, we had instituted Wednesdays as a day of prayer. And we opened up the library. And because of COVID, we just felt it was easier to, to close that at the time being. But every Wednesday is a day that we've tried to say, make, make a special attempt to pray on that Wednesday. Just make a special attempt. Try maybe carve out a little bit of time to pray. Now, prayer is conversation with God. Sometimes prayer might feel one way, but actually, if you look at it closely, prayer is both ways. Prayer is talking with God. It's telling God things, but it's also hearing what he has to say. Have you ever heard somebody say, let me pray about it? I've used that explanation. And that's not an excuse. Sometimes it's like, no, that's not what I was thinking, so I need to pray about it. And when I pray about it, I'm asking God to help me and understand or see what the direction may be. It's bringing a need. It's asking. It's confirming. It's personal. It's speaking. It's listening. There's some types of prayers in the Bible. There's intercession. Do you know that Jesus intercedes for us? So there's actually a prayer component in heaven where everything's figured out, but he intercedes for us to the Father. I don't know about you, but if I had anybody intercede for me, I'd want it to be Jesus. 
It's like, if, if I could get to the boss of the company, and it was like, man, I got the boss, I got his right-hand man, that's the one I would want to talk to. And in heaven, Jesus intercedes for you and I. He prays for you and me. And he says to the Father, he says, be with David today. That's powerful. I want to, I, I've got a number of instances in the Old Testament. This one I really thought was kind of funny. In Genesis 24, Abraham sends his servant to go find a wife for his son. We don't do that these days. And Cleo said, thank you, Lord. But in Genesis 24, Abraham says, listen, I want my son to find a wife, so I'm going to send my servant to go to this area, to this community where I know family is, and I'm going to ask him to find a wife for him. So the servant goes, and if you read the account, he prays to God and he says, Lord, would you give me a, a direction here because I don't know what to do. So would this lady, if I ask her for water, when she comes to feed the animals, will she give me some water? And if you read it, that happens. And I want to read to you just a couple thoughts, a couple words out of that, because I just got a, I had to chuckle when I was going through that this morning. But he, he asked God for this, this account to happen. And he goes, Lord, you know, if, if I'm standing by the spring and these ladies come, let the girl to whom I say, let down your drink jar that I may drink. And she answers and says, drink and I'll water your camels also. May she be the one who appointed you, that you've appointed for my servant, my boss. Make your, don't be afraid to make your requests known to God. Don't be afraid. Sometimes I think we don't get because we don't ask. And it's not because I think that. That's Bible. He says, you have not because you ask not. He says, and then you don't have it because you ask amiss. So we got to learn how to ask what God wants. But anyways, Abraham's servant does this. And then if you continue in Genesis 24, it says, meanwhile, the man, this is after she does that. She does what he says. He says, let me drink water. And she says, drink and she quickly lowers her jar and gives it to him. And she says, and also, I'll also for your camels until they finish drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back. Oh, I like to, she ran back. Man, guys, if you're looking for a woman, get, her, get someone that runs back and does things for you. Ran to the well, and she drew all for all his camels. Meanwhile, the man was gazing at her in silence. It's like, what just happened? Sometimes I think we need to pray and have a what just happened moment with God. He says, and the Lord guided him. So my comment there is, when you need direction, pray. When you need direction, when you need crazy direction, when you don't know which domino is going to fall, pray. When you say there's three or four good doors ahead of me, Pray, because he's got the best door. Solomon, he prayed for a request. He said, God, I need understanding and an understanding heart. And God says to him, you know what? That was pleasing in my sight. 
First Kings chapter 3. When you're faced with an incredible task, pray. If your boss gives you something that you can't handle, that's good because that's the time to pray. If you could handle it, you know what? You'd probably not pray about it. I just said that out loud. But I have found there are times when I don't pray. And I found the children of Israel didn't pray once. You know what? They got defeated. Because they didn't inquire of the Lord. Now there are things I don't need to pray about at the moment because I've been praying about them already. Because when you're in an attitude of prayer and when you pray without ceasing, things will come to you and they will meet that need because you've prayed about it already. So there are some decisions I've made I didn't need to pray about because I had already prayed about them. But if you don't pray about it, why are you expecting it to happen? David, I like this. If you read the Psalms, he prayed for deliverance and help a lot. I'm not telling you to live such a life that you're always saying, God, help me because I'm being chased. I'm not saying you live a life like that. But his life, he was establishing the nation of Israel, and he was a warrior. But what was funny was he was a warrior, but he also got chased. And he was in battle, and he also had people chasing. He defeated Goliath, and then after he defeats Goliath, you find that he hides in a cave because Saul is chasing him. When you need to be protected, pray. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give you some pictures of when it's appropriate to pray. And what I'm finding is it's appropriate to pray just about every single moment of the day. (laughs) It's like, well, I should deserve that because I made that silly mistake. Well, you know what? You can still pray. David made some terrible mistakes. Terrible mistakes. And yet God came to him, spoke to him, and David prayed to God, and God heard him. Don't think your mistake disqualifies you. In fact, it qualifies you to pray. Noah. Some people say Noah releasing the dove was an act of prayer. Some of the theologians. And it was symbolic. It was a picture of prayer. And when you read it in Genesis chapter 8, which I find interesting, I... I, It only took about six chapters for us mankind to mess things up. It's like there's 1,189 chapters in the Bible. Why didn't we wait till like chapter 176? But no, look, look, it was six chapters and God says, I'm done with them. So please, don't think you're so great because it will take you about six chapters of your life to make a mistake, make a mess, and for God to say, it's time for me. And Moses, uh, Noah sent out the dove, but what I find interesting, he sent the dove out three times. Sometimes we think our prayer should be answered immediately. You know, his prayer was answered because the first time the dove came back, it wasn't ready to land. And we might pray and say, God, is it time for me to get out of the ark? And you send out this thing, and it comes back with an olive branch, and you say, ah, but it wasn't resting and staying there. He came back. And the third time, it didn't come back. When you don't know what to do, awesome. When you don't know what to do, 
you're with me this morning. Here's one, Gideon. Gideon, he didn't know what to do, so he puts out a fleece. After God does thing after thing after thing and tells him and leads him and directs him, he still goes, God, I don't know what to do. Would you help me? And so God, he, he comes to God and he says, listen, I'd like the ground to be dry and this spot here, this fabric, to be wet. So the next morning he wakes up, he goes outside, he peeks through his tent, and it's wet. But that's not enough. You know what he does? He goes, huh, I'm just not quite sold, God. Maybe it was nature. Maybe, you know, we can explain this one away. Could you make the ground wet and my fabric dry? And he comes in. And what does God do? God says, nah, no problem, I can do that. I've been taught don't put fleeces before God, but I think sometimes we do. And it's okay. If you don't know what to do, put a fleece before God. Do you know the disciples, the most I mean, the church is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and the teaching of the disciples, the apostles. Do you know they didn't know who to pick to replace Judas, so they drew straws? I read that and I go, what kind of holy people? I mean, we have a meeting together of 12 or 11 of the brightest minds in the theological community, and we can't figure it out, and we have to pull straws? When you need, when you don't know what to do, when you're not sure between A, B, C, or D, Daniel. Now he's upstairs, but he'd be yelling and screaming, amen, amen, amen. Daniel, if you read the book of Daniel, the king had a dream and the king forgot his dream. And he was going to kill all his servants because nobody could tell him what he forgot. I mean, talk about irrational. Have you ever been around somebody who's irrational? If you can't tell me what I just forgot and I don't remember and I never told anybody, you're fired. And in those days, fired was literally fired. And he goes, and, and, and the king is getting ready to get rid of all these guys because they couldn't tell him what he forgot and he didn't even know. And then the king says, listen, you guys are just going to conspire and come up with an idea and tell me that's what it was because I don't remember. That's, I mean, he's getting agitated. And Daniel says, listen, I'll tell you. I don't know about you, but if you don't know what happened and you tell somebody you're going to tell them what happened, that's a good time to... I heard of a gentleman went to a restaurant and the waitress said, I had a dream, but I forgot the dream. And she was excited about it, but she forgot it. And he said to her, I'll come back tomorrow and I'll tell you what it was. He came back the next day and he told her what it was. And she goes, and it was what it was. I don't know about you, but prayer moves you into a realm where the miraculous can happen because you allow it and you open it up and you draw it in. Can you imagine church being, you know what, you need prayer, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to believe God to touch you. And this morning, I took a risk. Prayer is sometimes taking a risk. I've told complete strangers, I'll pray for you. 
And I've had some of them say, it's okay, and I've had others of them say, thank you so much. Daniel, he needed an answer. When you need an answer, when you need an answer, I hope you're getting this. When you do life and you need something, without ceasing, I sure hope they got audio on the video this morning because otherwise they're just going to see me doing this all the time going, what's, what's the pastor doing? Daniel, he went and he kneeled down three times a day even after they said, you're not supposed to and you can't and you'll be murdered if you do. Make prayer important in your life. I would suggest to you that when you take time to pray, and I'll even show it to you in the scripture, when you take time to pray, you take time to hear from God. And when you hear from God, you will hear things that you don't hear, that you don't see, and that you don't know without him. They're all over the place, these prayers. Guidance, deliverance, healing. Elijah, no rain. It says in James, he prayed for no rain. Can you imagine making a decree to the king and saying, listen, it's not going to rain for th three years. I don't know about you, but if I made a decree like that, I'd pray every single day saying, Lord, please don't let it rain. Don't let it rain. Don't let it rain today. Don't let it rain today because I said it wasn't going to rain for three days or three years. It says that he prayed fervently. And then he gets this idea that it's going to rain, and he tells his, his servant, go look at the, and the guy goes six times, doesn't see anything. And the seventh time he comes back and he says, I see what looks like a little fist. And Elijah says, that's all I need. That's all I need. God's moving. You might say, I need to see everything. If you could see one little speck of God moving, and you say, it's changing. This morning, Pastor Nelson believed and received something from God. And you might not see it. You might not understand it all. But you know what? He saw something. And he might not have seen everything. But he says, we're going to speak that. We're going to declare that. That this is something new that you've never been to before. Yes? Amen. Amen. New dimensions in prayer. Amen. Amen. People are going to come here and they're going to be touched. Why? Because we pray. We pray. It may not be the conventional. It may not be what you thought from the past, but we pray. You have a need, we pray. This is some, And I'm telling you, this is something I need to work on. I'm not the best at this. But I'm not going to use that as an excuse. I'm going to say, no, I need to get better at prayer. If you want to increase your prayer life, get involved with people. Yeah, if you want to increase your prayer life, pray. That was, but I didn't do this. This is, the, this is key. When I do this, you say prayer. All right. So if you want to increase your prayer life, get involved with people because when you get involved with people, you get involved with their life and you find out that they're asking for prayer. And if they're not asking for prayer, you're going to ask for prayer because you want to help them. 
When your heart aches, if you don't know what to do, you don't know which restaurant to go to, and then invite Pastor David. If you're not sure what to do, God has given us this amazing gift called prayer, which is communication with him that other people who don't know him don't have, and they pray to walls, they pray to temples, they pray to statues. We pray to the living God who created the earth, and he says, come to me, and I will answer you, and I'll show you great and mighty things which you don't know. Why? Because we pray. I'm out of time, but I've got about seven or eight myths about praying I've got to share with you. I just got it. Can you give me, I pray, can you give me five minutes? Here's a myth. Prayers must be polished, prim, and proper. I think some of the most effective prayers are raw, filled with tears, and people crawling. Don't be afraid to pray. It says in Hebrews, in time of need, come before the throne of grace. Not only that, but come boldly. Time and time again in the Old Testament, God says, you know what? I want you to do this. The children of Israel say, oh, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And God says, no, you won't. But you know what? You won't, but you're going to come back to me and I'm going to forgive you anyways. If you need something from God, it doesn't have to be like the these and the thous. It can be the me's and the wow's. I don't care. If you need something from God, man, we're getting good at that. Next Sunday, I'm going to come like this. I'm going to see what happens. No more high fives. Just pray. Here's another myth. You must be right before you pray. Alvaro goes, yeah, right. Now, we are the righteousness of God, but if you're right, you've wasted and waited too long. Pray when you need it. Sometimes we, well, no, I've got to just figure out how I'm going to say this in a good way. No, just pray. Well, you know what? I might be considered a hypocrite. Pray. Maybe he can help you with that. Just a thought. Samson messed up. And what did he do? He says, God, would you give me one last chance? One last chance. I've made a mess of my life. I've let Delilah do this. I've, I've put my people in bondage. But could you give me one last chance? He prayed. He messed up. He wasn't right. And do you know at his death, he killed more of the Philistines than his whole life before that? Here's another mist, mist, myth. If you're around me close, you get a mist, but you must have it all figured out before you pray. No. No. Please, don't have it figured out. You might think you're God. Sometimes the mystery is good. Sometimes it's the mystery that makes me pray. Sometimes it's like, ah, I'm in a bit of a pickle here. 
And you know what I found when you try to figure it out? Usually, usually I make a mess of it even worse. I don't know about you. But when I try to do God's job, I just seem to make a mess of it. So please, if you don't have it all figured out, here's another myth. You're in trouble because you didn't pray. Now, I will say, yes, there are times when we don't pray, we get the result of it. But I want to continue. I had a dot, dot, dot. Therefore, we live with it, and therefore, we say you deserve it. And what does that do? That just piles on. Now, I believe in prayer, and I know from the Bible that we do get in trouble because we don't pray. But that doesn't mean we don't pray. That means we then start to pray. Do you see that? Instead of going, I didn't pray about it. I deserve it. I'm a wreck. I've made a mess. I've done this. Therefore, I shouldn't pray at all. No, that's not. That's a myth. It's when you've made a mess. You've tried to do it all. You've thought you've had it figured out. You know what? God still accepts you and says, come and pray. Come. Pray to me. It's a myth to stay where you are just because you think you deserve it. Here's another myth. And this one might mess with you a bit. I prayed, therefore it's got to happen. Sometimes we pray and we don't get the answer we think we should get. I've struggled with this one. But do I trust him? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever asked your parents for something and they didn't give it to you? Do you think maybe they knew something more than you did at the time? I think sometimes we beat ourselves up because we don't get an answer to what we think. And God's saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Don't beat yourself up if you pray and it doesn't happen. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Sometimes he parts the sea and sometimes he provides a boat. Both are in the Bible. Here's another one. Here's another myth. This is the last one. I'll never say the right words. I don't know what to say, so I'm not going to pray. I'd rather take a blibbering, bluttering, and flabbergasted person who doesn't know what to pray than somebody who figures he's got to have it all written out. I'd rather have somebody raw, real, and the deal because I believe God hears that and comes down and grabs and holds that person and pulls them up. And I have found that I pray and I have prayed messy, ugly prayers because I thought I had it figured out and I didn't have it figured out. And I've made a mess, and I've been hurt, and I've been disappointed. And I have found that I can talk to him just like I'm talking to you now. In fact, I find it more easier now to talk to him and just let him know I'm frustrated, I'm disappointed, I'm hurt. Why didn't this work? Why didn't that work? What's going on? And I found that I can just spill my guts, as it were. And I don't have to have the right words. I don't have to say, thou didn't do what thou saidest would do. I can just say, it didn't work. You'll never have the right words. 
But tell them. Tell them. I'd like to close with two things. The first thing I'm going to close with is a prayer. I'd like you to join me in that prayer. And then the next, after that, I'm going to do the second closing. Because I've learned you can have more than one closing. I'm going to do a second closing where I'm going to pray a benediction over you. But I'd like you to join with me. And if you could, could you stand? And I'd like to pray the Lord's Prayer. You don't have to say pray then in this way because I just did. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I like the, with the thines and the these and the thous, but your prayer was just as good. Amen. If you would uh, remain standing, I'd like to pray a prayer benediction over you. And I'd encourage you to open your heart, open your hands to receive. I don't take this lightly. I take this seriously. As a pastor, as a servant of God, as a shepherd, I have an authority and I have an ability to bless you. You're already blessed, but you get it even more because the pastor will bless you. I believe that. So I'm just going to read this over to you. I'm invoking his name and his blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen. Next Sunday, we're going to have some prayer time. If you have a prayer request, bring it, and we will pray for them together. Amen. God bless you.